Uh, good afternoon. It is Saturday, uh, March the 7th, 2 p.m. Actually, 201, but who's counting? I'm Leon Davis, and this is Altitude Adjustment. Now, most of the time, when people talk about uh, off the grid, they think of living uh, in a remote area where there's no phone or um, a lot of the conveniences of living in an urban or suburban area. Uh, but that's not the kind of off-the-grid I'm talking about today. I'm talking about electronic off-the-grid. Uh, the life that we lead is more and more connected, and information is captured more and more about the things that we do on a daily basis, and that's what I'm going to cover today. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. So, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, so some of the uh, important facts of, uh, <clears throat> things that we deal with on a daily basis in our life is, um, more of the things that we need, even our medical records and things like that are being captured. That information is being saved. Um, part of it is, uh, about, uh, making life easier for us. And then there's another aspect of it. So my concern is that is it necessary to capture all of that information? So, so let's talk first about the internet and what we do and our surfing and things like that. Um, so when we think of uh, surfing the internet, we, we go out, we want you know entertainment or we want information, but other people have uh, designs on our behavior and they're capturing a lot of information and so I did some research and um, Google just Google alone is tracking some 82% of internet traffic um, I found that uh, really interesting and then 79% of websites track users behavior now um, some of the methods used for um, for tracking is uh, uh, cookies um, a lot of people have heard about that and that's where information uh, when you surf to a site uh, information is kept in a text file and it's saved to your hard drive uh, or to your phone or you know however you're accessing the internet and that information is saved and it's used across websites so you could go to Google and then surf to Best Bed, Bed Bath and & Beyond and Bed Bath & Beyond may have access to what you did on the Google site. That part of that is done by cookies. There's uh, what's called um, Oh, let me get to it here. Tracking beacons. Now, a tracking beacon, and this one I wasn't familiar, completely familiar with, but it is where they put a small file. Now, um, if you know anything about uh, how information is, is placed on your screen, um, the smallest unit of measurement is called a pixel. So if your screen is... Uh, 
1280 by 720, that means there's 1280 uh, pixels wide across. So the width is always first and the height is always second. So it's 1280 pixels across and 720 pixels down. So a pixel is the tiniest measurement for um, resolutions, you know, dealing with screens and stuff. And a beacon is a pixel, is a pixel sized image, one pixel by one pixel. Actually, almost too small for you to see. Um, but it is uh, placed on where on your system or in your web browser so that um, they have access to where you've been, where, what you've done, and uh, where you've been and what you've done. Um, there we go. All right. So they, so there's um, cookies, there's uh, beacons, and then there's um, browser fingerprinting. And this was something that uh, I just recently um, was alerted to. So uh, Mozilla, which is the maker of the Firefox browser, um, a message popped up and it said uh, that they had thwarted an effort to fingerprint for browser fingerprinting. This is where you surf to a website. The website then captures information such as your um, the type of browser that you're using, what version it is, um, your screen resolution, if it's 1280 by 720 or 1024 by 768 or whatever it may be, it captures that information. It captures um, what plugins you're using. It captures, you know, a lot of data that can actually identify you individually. So what, what the information that I ran across was is that everyone's system is almost so unique. Uh, the, the setup and how you compute that with this information, with this data capture, they can actually identify who you are individually. Um, and that has, so, so for me, that sends up a flag. Now, I, I appreciate that they want to make things easier for me. So I don't always have to log into a site every time I come back. Um, I don't have to change the configuration of a web page if they have a web page that um, um, that I can set up and I can have different news feeds or different information displayed on that web page that I don't have to come back and reset that up every time and so I appreciate that but while I appreciate that um, the the offside of that is that potentially they have information to identify me individually and, and and it's not that I may be doing something nefarious or that I may um, uh, doing have you know doing something that 
that needs attention. It's just a mere fact that, you know, why do I have to be surveilled at that level? Um, even when, especially when I'm not uh, doing anything nefarious. Um, so my concern is, and some people, you know, don't see this as um, a necessary problem at this point, that they're going to be surveilled anyway, so, so why get up in arms about it? And my concern is not so much that uh, I'm being surveilled, it's that the potential misuse of that, the potential misuse of the data is more concerning to me, such as <clears throat> we have more and more large corporations consolidating everything. So where you have five or six large tech companies that are capturing most of the data about you, if there was someone who wanted to cause you difficulty or wanted to harass you in some way, in order to round up information about you, they would, would not have to go to too many different sources. They would only have to hit one or two sources, and then they can draw a, a big picture about you and your life and about your habits and where you go and what kind of things you buy. And then they can possibly make your life miserable simply from the aspect that they have that information about you. They have access to that information about you. And a couple of the examples, uh, well, one is, and this wasn't so much a tech example, but uh, Janet Jackson had a um, wardrobe malfunction at a uh, um, uh, Super Bowl event. An executive at the company, uh, Les Moonves, um, name him by name, chose to create a problem for her and was able to do it because the company had such reach in uh, the music industry, was able to keep her from getting on radio stations, was able to get her, keep her music from being produced or heard, was able to imp negatively impact her career because that individual did not like that incident that happened. So it wasn't that it was adjudicated that she did particularly something wrong and that there was a legal process and she was punished by the legal system. It was one individual who chose to identify something that they didn't like and use the power of the large corporation and all of the uh, resources of that corporation to punish someone for what they deemed as unacceptable and so my concern is not that everybody's going to do that but to what extent um, do we allow that kind of surveillance of people's lives and only a few people having access to that data to be able to create the the problem uh, for other people so, you know, if, if you surf to a website and you weren't aware that the website had um, child pornography on it, um, and so you get there, you, you, you see the child pornography pops up and you close the website and you move on. 
The problem is, is that you've been tracked there. Whether you frequent that type of site or, or anything of that nature, you've been tracked there. And someone may come along, see that you have that in your history someplace, and then deem you as a problem. And use the resources that they have to punish you because they've chosen or they believe that you deserve that. That is a behavior that unilaterally decide to punish you. Um, so, so my concern is, is obviously putting that much power into the hands of a few. Now, some um, monitoring is going to happen and should happen. So when you're born, you get a... Um, Social security number. That social security number follows you the rest of your life. It follows you for a driver's license, for, um, I think, getting uh, up. Um, oh, anyway, um, passport, getting a passport. Um, you need to have that to get your benefits. It's it's there to to for you to show. I have worked, you know, they have, a, they have a, a list of your work history, what you've made, what you've paid into the system, and what you should get back. And I think that that is, so, and, and I understand that that's my interpretation, that is, is, is an acceptable use of uh, capturing data. Now. There is other capturing data. So a lot of data that's captured about you is not captured for a particular reason. So some data is captured because um, manufacturers and, and uh, business people want to be able to sell you things. And, and there is a discussion to be had about how much information should they have about you. So if they know that you're a man 20 years old um, and you like fishing, and you live in the Midwest, what other information do they need to, in order to, um, to set ideas and priorities for their business about where they're going to um, sell to? Now, I don't think they even need to know that you're in the Midwest. I don't think they need to know you're a man in your 20s. Maybe you're a man under 50 that likes fishing. So they should appeal to fisher, fishermen or fisherwomen crazy but <laughs> so um, appeal to people that love to fish and I think by targeting smaller and smaller audiences they don't by doing that they don't contribute to the infrastructure necessary to benefit everyone and what I mean by that is if you're only going to target the Midwest, if let's say you find that a big population of fisher um, people that love to fish live in a particular corridor of the country, that doesn't mean all of the people that love to fish are going to live in that corridor. It just means you're more likely to sell 
um, fishing equipment in that particular corridor. If you, as a business, only advertise in advertising sources in that particular corridor, I think two things really happen. You ignore the rest of the, of the, the country where possibly fishing may catch on and you also don't support the infrastructure necessary to reach all of the people with products and goods and services. So basically what you're saying, what, when you only pick one small segment to work with is that I'm going to only support this segment because only this segment is giving me the immediate income that I need. And I think businesses have a greater responsibility to make sure that the infrastructure necessary to bring advertising, and if you if you stop and think about it, the, the number of ways to present advertising has, has gotten smaller and more concentrated. And with that can become um, damaging the system as a whole for for everyone. So I wanted to get back on um, some of the concerns that I have with large corporations having such um, amounts of data uh, about you. And so I mentioned um, Google was tracking 82% of uh, internet traffic. Um, so Google is one of the worst, I don't say worst, it's one of the largest trackers of information. And one of the things that concerned me significantly was I think last year or maybe year before last, um, Google and Yahoo were both sued because they were scanning email and presenting ads to people based on the scans of people's email. Now, Google and, and Yahoo in their defense says, well, it's computer generated and you know, there's no one person that's actually going in and you know, looking through people's emails. And for me that it does not matter whether it's an individual or whether it's computer, um, an email is a message sent from one individual to another individual, regardless of how many carbon copies you make, it's still one-to-one. -one. And if, if I wanted Google to know about what was in my emails, I would send Google a copy. Um, so I think that there's a line that Google, Google and Yahoo crossed that said, because I give you free email, I am allowed to take liberties with your information for my benefit. And even if they put that information, let's say in order for you to sign up, 
you have to allow me to read your private um, messages, I think is a problem for somebody to even want to do that, to, to, to do that to someone, um, to violate the opportunity for that person to feel that whatever information they send to person B is just going to be to person B. There we go. Um, and so, and so large companies having um, this information um, at, I, I, so the idea that if you present people with options that they don't need, that they may do something that they wouldn't ordinarily do, um, If there's no need, so so a lot of the data capturing that's going on is they'll capture as much information as they have, as they can, learn everything they possibly can, even though a lot of that data is not data that they're going to use, particularly use for a particular purpose. And the idea is um, if I capture everything and something changes down the road, then I'll have the data to to use it and I won't have to go back and try to capture it again. The, again, um, the more information that you have about a person, the more exposed that person is to the whims of the person that has the data. So if someone walked up, on, walked up to you on the street, you didn't know him from Adam, never seen that person before, and and they talked about your family, your relatives, and told you about your kids, it would be alarming. It would be alarming that somebody, that someone took the time or had the opportunity to access information that you held private and you may not necessarily have wanted to share. Um, there are websites out where you can um, put uh, someone's name in and find out about mortgages and uh, criminal records and if they've been arrested and if they have outstanding you know if they've um, been on time with their with their bills um, and so someone can go pay 40 or 50 dollars and get a life history about you and so that's one of the other things that have, has bothered me is that there is a coziness between government and private industry with your data that may be, may be used to compromise you in a way um, that you would not had they not had access to that data. Um, and most of it is happening without your permission. So I'm not, I don't want to sound alarmist. I don't want to say, sound that I'm saying you should be paranoid. Um, most of it is probably very innocuous and not anything you would even miss or no one would walk up and um, you know, tell you about your family or things of that nature. It's just the potential is there. 
So my concern is that people should understand that, not necessarily act out of fear or act out of um, defensiveness, but that we should really examine what data should be allowed to be captured and and what data should be allowed to be eliminated. Um, in Europe, they have a um, ability to be forgotten law, which means data after a certain uh, time period is expunged, it's gone, and, and never to be returned. Um, part of the reason that we, <clears throat> that we um, close, seal juvenile records is so that um, at some point you get a fresh start. And whatever happened in your past uh, was in your past and it's not going to continue to persist and, and beat you down in your future and right now we don't have enough safeguards to ensure that the data that's being used that's being captured is not going to um, wind up being detrimental and it's going to take all of us together saying that you know, we want more safeguards, that we want more, um, we want more opportunities to make sure that people, that the data is not going to be used in a um, negative or detrimental way. Um, so one other, I'll give you an example of one other thing that happened to me that I thought was really interesting. So I have a subscription to uh, a magazine and one day, the, originally the magazine would come and it had my name on it and the address was correct. Um, so one day the magazine came, the name was wrong, and the address had been modified, not to the point of not recognizable, but so I got the, my subscription, but um, there had been changes. And so I only surmised that the magazine company had gone through a data conversion where they moved their data from one um, system to another. Now, I've been through systems like, uh, situations like that. And when they do the conversion, you have uh, corrupt data. You sometimes have corrupt data where things get changed. And I thought that, you know, so I just called them up. Um, make sure they correct the data and move on. Then I got an email message from a, or not an email, but I got a, a letter from another company that was not related to this company. It wasn't a subsidiary. It wasn't a, wasn't a, you know, a joint venture or they weren't, you know, supporting, uh, particularly supporting that company as far as I can tell and it had the errors in it that I had corrected from the previous company so somehow they're sharing that data they shared the name and address information and I, I, I so we know that they're selling information we know that uh, companies so, so probably what has happened is the magazine company 
sold their list of individuals who lived in my area to a company that was in my area and they sent them corrupted data. But the fact that they sent it says, okay, so you don't, I don't, I didn't, by signing up for that magazine, basically I signed up for um, solicitation by anybody that wanted to buy that data. And I, I don't like having too many solicitations because I don't feel like having to go through mail that I didn't want. If I didn't ask for it, if I didn't look for it, or if you didn't, there are plenty of advertising sources uh, to where I can see your advertisement and decide to uh, order your product or, or inquire about your product. Um, so, so I was personally impacted, firsthand impacted by some of the data practices that that we're experiencing now. And I feel that that we don't take that data seriously. Um, who has it, what they're doing with it, how it's being used, which ways or it's is it's it's um, curation um, ethical or the practices ethical. Um, just because you have a product that you want to sell doesn't mean you get to drop an envelope on my desk or my my mailbox. Um, so so there are plenty of articles out there about how to um, protect your data. Um, but what I fear is um, that that there isn't much that you can do to stop the train that has been running. Um, and, and I think we need to uh, uh, take a different look at it as a society and how we choose to uh, move forward. Um, not in a haphazard way, but in a more thoughtful and, you know, I, there are a lot of things about what's going on because a lot of it I don't have access to. I don't have an access to how my magazine company handles my information, what they do with it. I don't know if they are tied to another system that gives them other information about me and, and they decide that, you know, how to send me other magazines or whether to even send me a particular magazine. I don't know if they're, um, they make two copies of the magazine. One that um, they've learned that I'm going to appreciate, um, that's going to um, enforce, reinforce my worldview versus, um, versus sending me something that allows me to discover um, new and different ideas. Um, so, so my concern is, um, is that oh okay my concern is that um, that we at least approach uh, how data is is handled 
Um, I know the conversation is, is attempted to be had. Um, there was uh, a recent article about uh, a bill that was passed recently that gave um, ISPs um, more of an opportunity to sell your data without your permission um, and make money off of it. And this was passed by our legislators. I don't know how many people um, know about that, but I'll try to make sure I, I put it into the comments. Um, so hopefully, at least we'll start the conversation, make sure that the conversation um, continues on and that the next time you hear something about um, your data rights, that, that, that in some way becomes more important to you. Um, again, I, I just think uh, at this particular time, it's the wild, wild west of data. And hopefully we will get to a more controlled environment where not only a few people have access to uh, all of your data, but that, that you somehow can determine for yourself who knows you and who knows what about you. I'm going to thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. I'm going to wrap up this week. I look forward to being back with you next time. That concludes this episode, and thank you for listening. This podcast is designed for live listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com slash home for details about how to join the conversation. The video version of Altitude Adjustment is available on YouTube. Search for Lion's Den STL. And the audio podcast is available on Stitcher.com, Anchor.fm, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Look for Altitude Adjustment where you get your podcast and consider making a contribution by visiting anchor.fm slash altitude-adjustment2. Remember, the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes because it matters. As always, be cool, be calm, and above all, be careful. Look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you. <laughs>